Sure. Honestly, I, like I said, I don't think I've ever just felt a moment where like that picture, that beautiful picture of the bride coming up the aisle to meet her groom. And that beautiful picture actually of what it is. That I think one day the angels will be celebrating. The angels will be worshiping. And we, the church, come up dressed in white and splendor. And, and even, I mean, I mean, white is very symbolic. And in a sense, for me even, that the Lord has done an incredible work in this couple of restoring them back in a sense of representing how it should be. And so, yes, they have a son together. But Jesus, I believe, has done something in their lives as they've surrendered to him over the last few months. I mean, we've, we've walked a journey. We are walking a journey with them and just seeing how God has transformed them into a people and a couple that love Jesus. And I know, except a client, I'll know no big deal, but he and he lasted seven months. I mean, seven months. Come on. Seven months, what God has done. But I'm not going to keep us long. And then we're going to go into the official part where we do the vows. And I've asked France to do that for us because he's Hij is, nie na, hy is, hy is, hy is eindelijk nie een dominee saam met ons in die kerk nie, maar hy was op een stadium een van die dominees wat die ding gedoen het, so dat hy kan eindelijk vir julle laat teken. So ek is blij dat dit nie my verantwoordelijkheid, dit is hy verantwoordelijkheid. Maar hy gaan dit in Afrikaans doen vir ons, so dit is maar lekker. And it just means that we're a family, we, we share the responsibility together. En dan ons gaan miskien een paar testimonies van die familie ook, een paar woorde en een... And dan gaan ons maar lekker. I had the teenagers asking, can we dance? I mean, is kerk jongens, dans jy in die kerkie? Maar jy weet, ons het die ander aangemeente, die liekie, ons het so maar lekker gejol. Ons gaan miskien so bykie jol in die kerk. <laughs> Ach, lekker. So, you know, I think for as long as we can remember, humans all over the world have been given over to marriage. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, Marriage, we've gotten marriage. I mean, across cultures, um, there's always been this strange pull within us to spend our lives with someone, not just to procreate. Ons bou nie net a nasie nie. Het jy gehoor my, my broer? Ons bou nie net a nasie nie. Ek heb hier gesê. We're not just here to procreate and to populate earth. I mean, that was the instruction in the book of Genesis, go out and fill the earth kind of thing. That's not our sole purpose. But in a sense, there's something deeper of a commitment that gets made, a belonging to one another. And uh, there's something wide in us not to be alone. And I'm sure many of us, though, don't even know God's deeper reason why. I mean, you just think about it. Marriage is a mystery. A marriage is a mystery. It's God's design. And why would God design it this way? I mean, why does a man and a woman come together to be married? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it's like something we've done for thousands of years. It's like people get married. Why do they get married? What does that mean? I mean, it's, it's husband and wife, man and woman, needs to be said, man and woman, two opposite sexes coming together in holy matrimony. Why? Why? Why is one called to lead, one called to provide, one called to protect to shoulder the final responsibility. And the other call to actively receive and to, to beautify. I mean, you know, you're like, mooi. 
Je lijkt baie mooi. <laughs> Why is she called to, to, to be humble and, 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 and to be a strength in humility? Why is there this difference of roles? And like, have you ever just taken a moment to think about it? It's almost, you know, why is it the two coming together, not the same? And uh, if we look into the Bible, what is marriage pointing to? It's a profound thing. It's actually very profound. And and I gaan for the I gaan for the skrif uit die boek van Spreke lees. Net Afrikaanse skrifie. Right. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 18 and 19. And and we'll put it on English, but I'll read it in Afrikaans. Daar is drie dinge. Nee, vier wat boe my begrip is. Wat ek nie verstaan nie. Hoe een asvel in die lucht bly. Hoe een slang teen een rotseil. Hoe een skip op die diepse vaar. En hoe die liefde tussen een man en een meisie werk. <laughs> It's the strangest scripture. Have you ever read that scripture before? Hey? Three things that are too amazing for me. Four that I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, like the wave of an eagle in the sky. Like, most, we understand that. I mean, it's like crazy analogies here, but the last thing is like, so he's taking these crazy analogies, like honestly, like how a snake climbs up a rock and how a boat is in the ocean, but the way of a man with a woman, his wife. It's a crazy kind of scripture, and it's just conjuring up this mystery. The writer, it's like he, like he, like he didn't understand it. He was, he was like, how does, I mean, I can imagine, how does an eagle stay in the sky back then? Like it confounds him. How does a snake who doesn't have arms and legs get up onto a rock? How does a boat go into the ocean? And how does it work? It's like, how does this thing work as well? It's like this crazy thing. And so marriage is a mystery. And so by de- definition, mystery would be something difficult to understand or to explain. But you know, in the New Testament, it's a word that is used quite regularly, and it's actually in the context of Scripture, it means something that has been hidden, something that has been concealed and unclear, but now has been revealed. Isn't that amazing? Something that has now been revealed, and it's no longer a secret, and it's truth for all of us. So, this was right, CJ. One of the most famous scriptures used at weddings, and I'm going to use it because it's so applicable to this morning, is the one out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to about 33. And let's read it together. Wives, and speaking to the wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then the instruction to the husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you Sorry, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let his wife see that she respects her husband. The mystery is revealed. The mystery of this thing of a man and a woman coming together, not just to pro procreate or manasi to bow, but to come together and to actually reveal Jesus' plan for the world. Isn't that incredible? That he would take this, something that we can see, we can, we can, most of us, I mean, are married in this room. He uses that. He uses the union of a man and a woman to be a foreshadow or a, or a picture of what it is that he would do for us on the cross. That's mind-blowing. Just let that sink in. That's his plan. His plan all along from the beginning of creation in Genesis was that man and woman would be a foreshadow of things to come. Not just, it wasn't just a good idea. It was a God idea. And so we see throughout Scripture, there's various Scriptures where it talks about this mystery, which is Christ. In Colossians it says, the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Which is Christ. He is the mystery. The gospel message, the message of hope, the message of salvation the message that each and every one of us needs to hear. The message of hope. It's been disclosed through the prophetic writings. And it's been, been made known. It's been this mystery for long. What is the plan? But here, in accordance to the, new, the commandment of our eternal God, as we see in, in Romans, he says, To the only wise God be glory forever. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. We are encouraged in this. Church be encouraged that your marriage is not just for you, it's for a picture to a lost and dying world of what Jesus has come to do. And for you to work, this print, what I will hear, we didn't force these two to get married by any means. We wanted them to get it for themselves, which they did. It became their own revelation because just as they've started a journey with Jesus and as they've found him, they've realized, actually, you know what? We need to adjust the way we're living. We've been living together seven years. We have a child together. And actually, in the way we're living right now is not reflecting Jesus. And so we need to be obedient. We need to reflect him. We need to reflect his glorious church. And so that is why we come together today to celebrate. Isn't that amazing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we look at the book of Ephesians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're almost. <laughs> you know, the, the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote, and he pens it. It's full of this thing. He makes known the mystery. He, uh, he in the beginning of Ephesians, he he makes known this mystery that is. That, that is to be revealed, and he just, he says in Ephesians, he predestined us, adopted to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious name, 
with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have the redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our sin according to the riches of grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth as a plan for the fullness of time. There was a time and a place for it to happen. The fullness of time in accordance uh, to unite all things to him, things in heaven and things in earth. There was a fullness of time that had to happen. And in this moment, this, this is the right time. It's the right place. So that is, what, that is what, in a sense, is the point of marriage. To reveal the plan of Jesus. And so, so why, why does Jesus choose to use marriage? Why? I think that is the mystery. Why? Because he is, a, he, he is a God and we believe him to be supreme. He is incredible. And he's created these people. He has created us just to be this incredibly profound mystery revealed. That is why. He wants to reveal his plan. He wants to use the, church. He wants to use the marriage. So I've used, like in a sense, if, if, you, if you've heard, there's like the what and the why of marriage. What, what is the mystery? What is the mystery? It's marriage. And why does he choose marriage? Because it's something we can see, something we can hold on to, and it's a picture. And it's beautiful. And even he, throughout the book of Ephesians, I mean, it's so beautiful how he weaves this thing in, and he, and he ties it in together in such a way that, that he says it's, it's a profound mystery. Again, he says, I'm referring to Christ and the church. He says, he, he brings up that scripture in Genesis. And this is the most incredible thing is that, as we see a man and a woman leave their respective households, they become one flesh. And that is the key element. The, the becoming of one flesh is so important because, in a sense, we're going to become one flesh with Jesus one day. We're going to be united with him in such a way that will actually echo into the spiritual realm and have such an impact, I think, that we won't fully understand it. Paul, like he just says, this mystery of marriage is so great. It's so great. This mystery, you know, that God created man and woman. I mean, those were our ancestral parents in a sense, like the, the original mother and father. It says there in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. And we find here this mysterious pattern of past. It's, not, it's, it's revealed through Jesus. Jesus coming to the cross. And so when, man, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when they chose to disobey God, through that moment, sin entered into the world. We were separated from God. And the Bible says that it's through that sin that we now cannot actually have relationship with God. And so he had a plan. He had a plan. He would send his son. He would send his son to a lost and dying world, the world separated from him, so that we could be reunited with him. That was his plan. And so Jesus comes to the world. He comes. He comes and he lives amongst humanity. He takes, God himself becomes man. He takes on the form of human, of man. He lives amongst us. He experiences everything we could ever experience. Every pain, every temptation, 
everything that we could ever experience, every sad moment, every loss of a loved one. I mean, he lost loved ones. He saw friends die. He saw family members getting sick. He experienced everything except in one area. He did not sin. He was perfect. And then he went to the cross. He went and he died. And this in itself is this like incredible mystery that he would go to the cross for our sins, that he would die. He would go and he would take the most hectic of deaths on himself so that we could be reunited with God. That's like incredible that he would do that. But the amazing thing is, is Jesus is not dead anymore. He arose from the grave on the third day, and he rules, and he lives, and he is alive. And he is alive. You know, the reality of this picture is it actually is a very poor reflection of Jesus and his relationship with the church. It's actually very, very poor in comparison to this loving Jesus who leads us, protects us, provides for us, his church. And we, in our, the very best of husband, can never, ever, ever, ever reflect Jesus. We can never reflect him in a perfect way. But yet, he chooses for us to be that example. He chooses to say, you know what? This, and, and he looks at, I mean, he looks at you guys and he says, man, these are my, these are my, this is my son and my daughter who I love, whom I'm well pleased with, that I died for, I went to the cross for, that I have given my life for, so that them even sitting here representing something of that, and even the prophetic picture, like I believe it's a prophetic picture in that sense, and so us one day, the bride of Christ, will be walking up the aisle and standing next to our groom, and the angels will be celebrating. It's going to be an incredibly glorious moment. It's profound. I like, I, I almost like I just want to stop there and go, can we just think about that? Let it sink in. Just let it sink in. You know, the incredible thing about Jesus, that is, I mean, Clyde's not perfect. Neither is Rowena. None of us are. We're far from perfect. He's going to make mistakes. Say, gaan ook foute maak. It's how we are. We're human. I don't think there's any of us can ever testify. I mean, I've been married 21 years now, and I've made lots of mistakes. I think, like, maybe who's been lo married longer than 25 years here? Anyone? Roy and Dawn. Colin Nolan. How long you guys been married, Roy? 26. You guys? 33. Sure. Come on. That's, I didn't realize it was that long. You're bully, eh? <laughs> Colin, I love you. But, <laughs> but 33 years of a, a relationship with the same person, knowing her ins and outs, knowing his bad habits, knowing those things that irk you, those things, like all those things, but yet just loving each other and laying down his life for and, and th that picture in, in Ephesians where it says husbands, let's, let's put it up there. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's 5, 25. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As men and as husbands and husbands-to-be, because there are a number of single guys in the room, if you get married and when you get married one day, that will be your number one response. Your responsibility and role is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. We can only pray and hope that we can love our wives like Christ loves the church. The love that we need to have, and that love is a selfless love. It's a love laying down your life. It's not one that lords over, one that is bossy, one that is demanding, one that is um, arrogant, one that is proud. It's one of humility. It's one of serving, one of laying down your life for that person. That's what Jesus did. He laid his life down. And so the world has got it wrong. And so even today we see all these women's rights and like men, like actually, you know what? And, and, and the Bible is against women. Does that look like it's against women? <laughs> it certainly doesn't. It says, if I need to love my wife like Christ loved the church, man, it means that I take the low road. It means I humble myself and I serve her because she is his beautiful bride. But then there is that part for the wife where it says in verse 22, wives, submit to your husbands unto the Lord. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives also submit to your husbands and everything. And so there's, there's this beautiful picture of us here, firstly, husbands, in a sense, representing Christ, being someone who lays down his life. And I tell you, what woman wouldn't want to submit to a man who lays his life down for her? Like some women often say, it's really hard to submit to my husband. Can I suggest that actually the problem's the husband's, not the woman's? It's because the, the man's not loving her properly. If you love your wife like Christ loves the church, ladies, your wife will happily and gladly submit to you. Because firstly, she sees you a man submitted. She sees you a man under authority. You a man who's open, accountable. A man who's living a life pleasing to God. Why would she not want to follow that? She's wired that way. God wired women that way to follow. Did you know that God actually wired women to follow? He didn't wire them to lead necessarily, though some women are great leaders, but God wired women to follow them, their husbands. But there's this condition. Husband, you better do a good job. So Clyde, <laughs> you better do a good job. <laughs> Because you'll stand before Jesus one day of how you loved and how you've led your wife. And you'll stand before Jesus one day of how you've submitted and served him. And, and you can't turn around and, and point fingers at each other. You will stand before God. Each one of us, as husbands and wives, we will stand before God one day and give an account for how we loved and how we submitted. That's the mystery. And it's the same, it goes into the church, and that's the picture. And so it goes for the church. And even like I mentioned, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what a church looks like and what healthy church looks like. And I think that is what a healthy church should look like, a church that puts Jesus at the center, not man, a church that is submitted under the lordship of Jesus and, and is submitted to the leaders in the church, those that is entrusted to steer and to shepherd the under-shepherds, that is a healthy picture. 
And so, we, I mean, we got a lot, we got, we're going to be learning a lot over the next few weeks, and I'm so excited because I think many of us come from different contexts where we don't have this true picture and this true representation, and we've, we've been actually taught incorrectly. We've, you know, we, we've, we've had a bad kind of teaching. And so this beautiful picture, I think, you know, a woman who finds a man willing to die to himself and, and for her good, He's not afraid. She won't be afraid to then submit to him. So for you two, and this incredible journey, we're excited for what God's going to do. And we're excited for, and even for, I mean, Luani, Yilla, Jaden, Yilla, soon. I mean, I hope it's soon. Don't, don't, I'm going to say it out here. Don't be engaged for too long. All right. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) We were engaged for how long? Three, six months, seven months, and it was seven months too long. It really was. It was. <laughs> but I, like you know, I think once you know that this is the book you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you know, all these wedding plans and all the chudera you have plan that mark a man's mal, But I tell you what, just for for you for you you know you. For us as a, as a family, and, and I mean, we're going to come around you guys over the next season. We're going we're gonna to journey and continue together, and we're going to watch how, Clyde, you love your wife, and there are going to be moments when we're going to have to say to you, but you're not loving your wife well. Yeah, that's what family does. You sit down with your brother and you say, but I've seen the way you're speaking to your wife. Doesn't he like any? You're thinking about yourself. You're always partying. You're always going out with the boys. You're always watching rugby every weekend, and there's no time with the wife. There's, you, you're always at work, and then you, like, there are all these things, kind of thing. Like, husbands, lay, are, you, are you laying your life down for your wife, or are you so interested in the rugby or the sport or the, or the running or the cycling or whatever it is you do, or the work, actually, the, the business that you hold? And so we'll spend time together, and, and, and we're going to have lots of, I mean, we have had lots of conversations already, and we're going to have lots more. <laughs> And for Ruina as well. I mean, she's learning what it means to be a wife that is honoring to Jesus. That doesn't, you know, just because they're married, it doesn't stop. This is actually the start. And so no one expects you guys to have it right because you don't know. Like, no one expects you to have it perfect, but it's a journey. And it's an incredible journey of revealing the mystery and the wonder of what we as the church have in store for us with Jesus one day. Amen. Amen, amen. You know, many of us are here, and we might not know Jesus. We might not have a relationship with Jesus. And so I just want to lead us in a prayer quickly. And I would ask that you would just, you know, just close your eyes. And I, I do want to just pray quickly, because I think this is a moment where we have this incredible opportunity to just experience the love of Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you just for every person here this morning. And even as we get to celebrate with Clyde and Rowena, and as we get to just enjoy this moment, Lord, knowing that this is a picture of your church. This is a picture of your bride. And so, Lord, I pray that even as I've shared this morning, and even as we've we've been caught up in the festivities and the fun of this morning, that the reality of a life spent separated from God would hit home, and we would this morning just... Man, just have a realization that I may need to get my life sorted out. I may need to get my act together. And so if you are sitting here this morning and you have never come into a relationship with Jesus, 
Today could be your day because if you had to walk out that door and get hit by one of these trucks that fly down this road and you weren't in the right place with Jesus, my friend, you would spend an eternity separated from him. That is the reality. If you did not come to a place of repentance of your sin and a relationship with Jesus and surrendering your life to him, the word says that when you die, you will be separated from him. We've got to live with eternity in mind. But you have the opportunity this morning. And I'm, I don't want to call for a response right now, but I, I really, we're going to be catering and hanging out. If, as I've shared, if the Lord has spoken to you and you know you need to sort your life out, I want you to come and speak with me. Because I don't want you just to respond just for response's sake. But I tell you what, there needs to be a realization that actually without Jesus, you will spend eternity separated from him. We all need a Savior. You know, there's something wide in us. As much as He's wide within us, this desire to spend a lifetime on this earth with a partner, He's wide within us a desire to spend a lifetime with our Creator. And there's only one way you can do that. And if you have to really be honest and think about it, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not have a relationship with Him, there is a longing in your heart for something more. There's a gap, there's a hole, and he can only fill that gap. No amount of money, no amount of riches, no amount of fame, no amount of pleasure will ever satisfy what only Jesus can satisfy. And if you hear this morning and you know, and you just go, man, I know that there is an emptiness inside of me, and it's gnawing at my soul, I want to pray with you. And so maybe we can just... Just pray together. Lord Jesus, why don't we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and died on the cross for my sins. And I come to you this morning and I ask you to forgive me, to wash me clean of my sin, of everything I have done that has not been pleasing to you. Please forgive me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it now. And would you please, Holy Spirit, come and take place, take your place in my life. Come and be at the throne of my heart. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender my life to you. I need to have a relationship with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Please would you come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.